I got got. They got me. You're listening to Social Misfit. What's going on, Misfits? I am coming to you live from my bed. Yes, that's right. Head on the pillow, feet under the covers. I am in bed. It's Monday morning. I'm up really early. Uh, And actually, I got up early this morning because I had to pee. That's how I know I'm getting older. When your pee is like, "Mm -mm, it's time to to get up. So I went to the bathroom and then I came and got back in bed because it's a little cold. And I was like, let me just record my podcast because there's so much stuff that happened over the past couple days since I last spoke to you. I was like, let me just get it all out. You know, stop trying to wait for the perfect time. Just get it out and, you know, release it into the world. Um, So I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. All things considered. Yes, it's very sad. The news of the passing away of NBA legend Kobe Bryant, along with his daughter, Gianna, and several other people who were on the helicopter. Uh, I believe they were all related or members of the same family also perished this weekend. And it's been it's been making social media really hard for me to to be on. And I don't know but like this, I feel like whenever a public figure passes away throughout history, people have mourned, you know, they'll, they'll go like when John Lennon died, people went to his home or where he was shot and, you know, an outpouring of support and jam sessions and singing his songs and putting flowers down. And when other dignitaries or public figures pass away, people will go and and attend the funeral or at least stand outside and show their respects, walk past the walk past the coffin. So we've had a history of people sharing their grief. But something about seeing it on social media makes it feel I don't know. I don't know the word that I'm looking for. It just feels in some cases maybe opportunistic in some cases like like if I see a comment like I never really liked you Kobe but you know I hated I hated you I hated your team but RIP and it's kind of like I don't I don't know I don't know it just feels weird to me so my rule of thumb is when it comes to people passing away I just don't post anything I don't I don't post anything I just don't. I mean, I I feel what I feel. I say a little prayer or, you know, I give I say my condolences to the universe. Hopefully their family feels the love and energy, but I'm not about to come up with some caption or do a search for an image and try to it's just too much. It's just too much for me. That's just me. And and I'm not saying that people's grief isn't real. I'm just saying that the outpouring of all of that stuff then leads to people being like, well, I'm going to be the antithesis of that. I'm going to talk about his rape case. I'm going to talk about, you know, how he was a scumbag. And it's just like the man and his daughter passed away. Like sometimes silence is really the best option. Speaking of silence, somebody tell Terry Crews to shut the entire fuck 
up. Let me tell you something, Terry Crews. I don't know you personally. I've never met you. But I think it is appalling how you felt the need to go on television and undermine Gabrielle Union's claims of racism in the workplace. You didn't have to say anything. I, I Like the worst part, the worst thing to say in that situation is, oh, I never experienced that. Like to make it seem like her experience is is a lie. And just because I remember saying somewhere. I I was on a podcast and I remember saying how black men can navigate spaces differently than black women. And it was all white people on a podcast and they were like, what do you mean? And I said, well, black men can be accepted or brought into the mix because they're a man. So if they're in an environment uh, with white men, they have the connection of being a man, you know, even if the white person, even if the white guy's like, ah, oh, he's black, but still that what they'll do is they will remove your race. So they'll say, oh, you know, with Terry Crews, I don't see race. He's just a good guy. He's just a good guy. And so what they do is they ignore your blackness because they can latch on to you being a man because they are a man. So you have that in common. But when you're a black woman, they don't you don't have that in common. And what they'll barely do is remove your race from you. So whenever you hear somebody saying like, I don't see race, it's they never really talking about a black woman. So when you're a black woman, your race is always going to be there. And the fact that you're a woman always going to be there. So you're dealing with with you're dealing with underlying racism or racial bias and you're dealing with misogyny slash sexism slash sexual harassment. So you are always going to be the other when you are a black woman. And that experience is always going to be unique. And for a black man who has been able to navigate Hollywood and white spaces, especially post-sexual assault himself being a victim of it, for him to be able to now navigate these spaces. And of course, he's also going to navigate these spaces because of his sexual assault incident. And people are going to be like, listen, we ain't going to fuck with him because clearly we saw what happened with the last guy that grabbed his dick. Like he had to lose his job, even though that guy got his job back. But there's a certain carte blanche that Terry Crews is going to have because people understand his situation and they don't, they're not trying to repeat. They don't want no smoke. Okay. But they're not going to give Gabrielle Union the same courtesy because she's a woman and she's a black woman. So therefore, they feel encouraged to tell her that her hair is too ethnic. They are encouraged, they not encouraged, but they feel emboldened to tell her that she's being too black. He ain't going to have to deal with that. That's not a part of his package. That's not what he brings to the table. He is the whitewashed version of black masculinity, but he's safe. So he gives you the appearance of a strong black man, but he's also corny and good-hearted, allegedly. I don't know. I can't speak to the character of this man. But Terry Crews, all you had to do was say less. Matter of fact, say zero. You didn't have to go out there and hang her out to dry, especially when Gabrielle Union was the one who turned around and spoke out in defense of your honor when you went through your sexual harassment case. So all you had to do was shut the entire fuck up.
So speaking of shutting the fuck up, I don't know why I try to do transitions. It's just ingrained in me. We we talked about this already. I was at a show last night. Well, I mean, the tra- the transition I just stated of shutting the fuck up doesn't apply to the story, but I digress. Um, I was at a show last night at in, um at a shishi fufu place. I don't want to name it, but it's like one of those places where people have a membership to. I am not a membership person at all, but they have comedy shows, so... I went to do a comedy show and it was a great little premise and you did like 10 minutes of material. And then after that, the host pulled um, index cards from a bucket that the audience had written on and they were given their problems. And so then he would act as though he was the person with the problem and you, the comedian, after your set would sit down with him and give him advice on said problem. And I did my set and my set wasn't really my normal set. Like I just was like up there venting, but it was funny. And I was distressed because somebody stole my Amazon package. And not only did they steal the package, they stole the package at like six something on Saturday. Okay. This is not even a, there's not even a thief in the night. There's a thief in the evening an evening thief. I had an evening thief steal my Amazon package and I didn't realize it because originally the package was supposed to arrive Sunday. And so Sunday comes and I'm like, where's my, my package should be here. So I check and see that my package had arrived Saturday. So I go to look for it. I don't see it at all. So I'm like, yo, they stole my package. Like, you know, how you just feel it in your heart like that's why you gotta like really like listen to like your intuition like I knew I was like someone stole that it wasn't even like oh maybe maybe the tracking number was incorrect I was like I got got they got me I just knew and so I'm you know trying to and you know what the fucked up part about it is I had ordered two new microphones for this fucking podcast along with some other little accessories to help elevate the social misfit experience. And they got me. There's somebody right now wrapping their heart out into two microphones, just straight up doing their ad libs and verses and hooks at the same damn time. I hope you're happy and I hope your mixtape flops. So I call Amazon. And I'm like, hey, uh, my package is stolen. And they were like, give it give it another day. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll give it another day. Maybe it got misplaced. Even though I knew, I knew it was gone. But I gave myself the extra day because it was supposed to arrive Sunday. So I was like, well, maybe it'll just come, you know, later on Sunday. So as I'm leaving to go to the comedy show, I'm walking and I see a box. And I had saw the box earlier when I like walk my dog, but it was just like an open box on a curb. And something said, Chloe, go look at that box. So I go, I look at the box, my whole name and address on a box wide open. All my shit is gone. They got, I got, got, they got me. They got me. Not only did they get me, the the audacity of this evening thief is that they came into my front yard, took the box, opened it, took the shit out, and left the box on the curb like they recycling like they doing me a favor insult to injury is that what you call it insult to injury and I wanted to be like who who is doing this like 
so also there's been a rash of break-ins like people have been smashing and I say people but it's probably like the same person like a person's been smashing people's windows and their cars and stealing stuff out their cars or checking to see if the doors are open which is interesting because you know I have a I have a keyless car a key like a I don't know, like a keyless car. And a lot of times I'm very spoiled with my car because I don't have to unlock it. I can just walk up to it. As long as the keys are on my person, I can walk up to it and open a car door, like no problem. It's funny when I go out of town and I rent a car and I just walk up to it and open a door and that shit's like, you thought, where your key at, hole? And I'm like, oh shit, that's not my car. So because someone has been breaking into cars and and stealing shit now the fact that the amazon box was violated and stolen just makes me feel like oh i gotta get out of here i was this what i get for talking about this what i get for talking about um san francisco like ooh, this place is ghetto and i was like "Mm, i'm 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 feeling the vibe like this place is ghetto and you know what's so crazy is like whenever you have instances like this I li- I do live in Brooklyn. I live in Bed-Stuy, but it still feels like a little village. So like you don't you don't you're not connected to your neighbors sadly until like some fuck shit happens. So like on a good day when everybody's cool and everybody's getting their packages, you may say, "Hey, what's up neighbor?" or you keep moving, have a good day. That's it. But when crime happens, when crime happens, oh, we come together right now over me you understand we come together we outside talking to each other comparing those oh you know they heard they broke into the 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 parker's car down the block yeah what time was they was that oh i heard it was seven o'clock or oh, seven o'clock they broken into people's that's crazy i know you know i heard about two blocks over we just start chit-chatting like two old retired southern men sitting on milk crates uh reading the paper that's how we just be chit-chatting outside comparing those oh yeah have a good day then when that crime go away we go back to ignoring each other so i was violated they stole my stuff they stole our stuff y'all they stole our stuff stuff that was gonna make this podcast better i mean i'm being dramatic and i do i do feel violated because i'm like who does that like you just it just crossed the line you know, and I and I firmly believe it's one person. I believe it's the same person who's breaking into cars is also scamming for packages. And when that person does it, it, it's never like it's never like someone who's been living here a long time. I feel like it's someone who's like somebody's cousin who's on hard times, who's staying with them. And that cousin's like, "Ooh, look at all this shit I can steal all of a sudden just every night, you know. And I feel like if you live with somebody who's a thief, you know that they a thief. Like if someone is chilling at home all day and then around, you know, sundown, they put their empty ass book bag on and they start, oh, I'm going to go take a walk. Like you, I mean, I'm going to, I would confront somebody, but I understand everybody isn't like that. But if you staying with me and you out here robbing for my neighbors, I'm like, nigga, what's in that book bag? Open that shit now. I saw somebody about to steal everything and I didn't say anything I was in Chicago and I was standing in a drugstore waiting for my friend to purchase something and in walks a man a man right in walks a grown-ass man with a stroller and the stroller had a blanket over it like you know okay you know 
how you ride the train in New York City. If you don't know, I'm about to explain to you. You ride the train in New York City, you see like that one like Mexican mom who has like a baby, but she got like this thick ass felt blanket that covers the entire stroller. Like, I mean, like, ma'am, you could have just tucked the baby with the blanket, but they were like, no, 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 this is going to be a shield of protection and a barrier for the cold. So it's basically like you just made a tent out of the stroller. So that's what he did. He had this like heavy, thick ass felt um blanket and like when I say big I mean like it's like airplane big you know like when you ride on a plane and they give you that little blanket it's like that size but it's like really thick so you can't see through it and he had it covered up so I'm like oh that's in- that's an interesting technique what you doing sir and it wasn't even that cold that was the other thing in Chicago when I was there it wasn't even that cold it might have been like 48 49 so it definitely wasn't cover your baby up from the elements cold so and it was late it was like 11 o'clock at night so I was like one damn this baby out late as fuck and two like why are you covering up like you know a caged bird I don't know so then the seat on the stroller was all the way back and as he walked past me you know those strollers when the seat comes back you can like see into the stroller I looked to see this baby in the stroller and it was no baby in the stroller and at that moment it dawned on me like oh he about to rob this entire play he about to steal everything he about to just be feeding that baby uh chips and alcohol he gonna be feeding that baby motherfucking batteries and and shampoo bottles that baby gonna be full as fuck when they walk up out of there so i thought mm, you know what even then, when with that guy, I thought maybe that's a necessity. Maybe he really needs these things when he can't afford it. You know, he wasn't scruffy. He wasn't like disheveled. But, you know, that's the other thing I think about with this person. Like a part of me is like whoever stole from me, I really do want to bash their fucking face in. But then most times when you actually find a person and you confront them, you realize that they are doing it out of necessity. I mean, unless they're like a drug addict. But I guess now that we are acknowledging that drug addiction is a sympathetic issue, you can't be mad at drug addicts. But like still, um, I don't want you stealing my shit for your drugs. So most times when people steal stuff, it's like we get mad at the action and we penalize them. But we don't really look at the cause like unemployment or, you know, and like work the working poor you know like you have a job but you still can't afford basic shit because the rent is too high or you know the taxes are too high so instead of us addressing tax problems and lack of housing we just want to throw the person who stole a loaf of bread in prison for three years it's just like that's really not the solution so I I do appreciate that I'm able to think bigger like I I know that some people steal because they like to steal let's not get it twisted but I think the majority of people who steal it is from a need of like necessity or just helplessness you know now sidebar there was a woman that was stealing packages like a couple years ago in my neighborhood and all the people who had the new like ring doorbell cameras they like printed out her picture and posted it on the wall I mean like on all their front windows and on the light poles and everything and they caught her and that bitch was just stealing I mean she had no addiction she she was she was a a a whole grown-ass middle-aged woman just straight 
walking around, pushing the shopping cart, just stealing packages left and right. And she got arrested because she got caught red handed. And there was one new white neighbor and there's a there's a Facebook group. And so the white neighbor and I and I'm saying white because of what they said, they were like, well, guys, you know, we also need to be considerate of the neighborhood that we move into because when you order all of that stuff, it's like it's as if you're it's as if you're just flaunting your wealth and your privilege. And, you know, we have to keep in mind how the people who were here before us, how they feel about it. And I was like, that bitch a thief. Like, so what? She a thief. Anyway. Hold on. Let me let me get readjusted in my bed anyway. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they got me. But the solution to that problem, happy ending, is that I was able to um, call Amazon and they reimbursed me for my packages. They reimbursed me, but they said they couldn't reorder it. I have to reorder it myself. And I was just like, whatever, semantics. And so I reordered it and I have it now being delivered to the drugstore in my neighborhood, which I guess is, they call it like an Amazon locker. So basically they're just going to deliver it to Amazon. And I, I mean, they're going to deliver it to the drugstore and I could just go pick it up from the drugstore, which is open 24 hours. So that's a plus. And now that's something to keep in mind in the future when I get my packages delivered. Boom happy ending the last thing I want to talk about this Monday morning is something also that happened at the comedy show I was at last night so I'm doing my jokes and I'm really just I'm not even it's not even a set like this isn't really jokes that I've done before I'm really just telling the story of my Amazon box being stolen and then I related it to another time when I was actually in my house and someone broke into my house. So I'm telling these stories, right? And something to know about me is that I do say nigger, and I've definitely said it on this podcast. But when I say it, it's because I'm at a certain level of comfort. Like if I'm just flowing, if I'm in the middle of a conversation and just like, you know, it, it'll come out. And when it comes out and on stage, it's the same thing. It's like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing a scripted joke. I'm not doing a set that I've been doing forever. I didn't write a joke with nigga in it. But if I'm talking and it's conversational and I'm in the moment, I'll say nigga because that's how I talk in my real life. Like I'm not, I'm not speaking with my work voice. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just on stage shooting the shit. So there is a a sense of relaxation and ease that comes across and every once in a while the n-word will come out. And so I'm at this shishi fufu place where people pay memberships to be, you know, in the clubhouse and I said n-word and it was a mixed audience. And it was a like an equally mixed audience, not equally, but like it was a a pretty good mixture of people for this place especially. And so I do my set. I do the whole thing where I play the therapist and I answer the questions. And at the end of the show, I hung around, which I normally don't do. But I was like, you know, what? let me hang out. I ain't really been out like that. And, you know, a lot of my friends were on the show. So I was just kicking it with them. And also, <laughs> bitch is trying to promote her book. Yes. Fuck your diet. Reference number one per episode. So I'm standing in the back of the room. I'm talking to one of the comics 
And this black woman comes up to me. She goes, hey, sis, I just wanted to say you were so funny and I really appreciated you. But I had a question for you. And I was like, yes. Okay, what's up? And basically she was like, why do you say nigger? Why do you say the N-word? And why do you say it, especially in front of, like, white people? Like, basically that was like, she was like, I'm really, I just really want to know, like, why people say I don't say it. And she wasn't from New York. And so, and, and I was like, well, I say it because I say it. Like, I say it because... I say it in my actual life and I was explaining to her like I just did with you guys. It's like, I don't write any jokes where nigga is a part of the punchline or the premise. I don't sit down and write a joke like, so I said nigga, like that doesn't, that's not a part of it. I don't need that word to be funny at all. But if I'm just conversing and it's like stream of consciousness and I'm just telling y'all what, what happened to me or whatever, or, you know, emotions, I get angry, then yes. Cause I think I said like, um, I think I said something like, I don't know. I don't know what I said exactly. And I, and I actually went to record it and I realized I didn't record my set, but I don't know something like, Oh, I'll call the cops on like, you know, like I call the cops on niggas. I think that's what I said. I was like, I'll call the cops on niggas. So, which is true. I do call the cops on niggas. Um, (laughs) especially if they still in my Amazon box. So we had a nice little conversation. It was very respectful. And I told, she basically was having an argument of like, well, if you know better, you do better. And you know, we need to uplift black people. And I was like, she said, well, how do you feel about standing in front of white people? And I honestly was like, I really, I said, I don't, and I know, I know I have white people that listen to this podcast, but I say this with love. I don't care about white people's opinions of me. And I definitely don't care about white people's opinions about black people because what has that shown us in the past? And I don't need white people's validation to make me feel like a better person. And that ex- that extends to everybody. I mean, I-, I can't get into this business to care about what every single individual or what every racial group thinks about me because the reality is some people are not going to relate to me because of my race. So if you can't relate to me because of my race, why would I extend myself to go outside of myself to give a fuck about your feelings? So I say that with love. I really do. I really do. And I, I want more people to have that liberation. And I understand that I work in a medium where my livelihood is relying upon my individuality. And you can't really speak out and stay your claim and stand in your truth in most work environments because you have to be a part of the company and do what the company group think, you know, human resources handbook says. So I understand that. But I really don't like having a conversation about the N-word as if black people saying the N-word is the catalyst for our destruction in America. That's not the case. So when you have a problem or what you perceive to be a problem, you really need to look at the root of said problem. And black folks have rebranded the N-word because it's helped us take the venom out of it. And then after a while, generations go down the line and it doesn't even have the contextual history that it once had because you're a younger generation who doesn't correlate nigga to slave owner, slave and being whipped and, you know, brutalized and separated from your family. You're not thinking of it like that. And that is fair because that's a natural progression of history. Things change over time. But to think that me, a black woman saying nigga in front of white people is like killing black people. 
That's not the problem. The problem is systematic oppression. When you talk about politics and policy, things that are actually enacted to oppress black people, that is more detrimental, in my opinion, than me saying the N-word on the stage in front of white people. Because the reality is most of those white people have said that shit, at least in their head. So we're going to act like they don't have ill, ill thoughts about us. Like, come on now come on and so she was like well I just think it's because you know I come from a place where uh white people will call you nigga to your face and I was like well in New York they won't call you nigga to your face but they'll still call the cops on you as soon as you turn a corner so it's the sentiment is still the same there is a level of disdain that's always there because of supremacy white supremacy they always think that they are a little bit better than everybody else so me saying nigger on stage is not a part of the problem in my honest opinion and yes i know words hurt but i'm referring to motherfuckers who do shit like steal amazon packages so fuck them diggers and it sounded extra extra ery but not i don't want to say ery niggas fuck them niggas who steal amazon packages and white people need to know that niggas steal amazon packages we all don't have doorman buildings, all right? And this is my reality. I got on stage and I talked about my reality. And that's what it is. It's my reality. And that's what makes me unique and 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 relatable to people who like, I've had that experience. Niggas stole my shit too. Niggas steal. I should call that the name of this episode. Niggas steal. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for uh, indulging me this Monday morning. Um, it was a pleasure. And... I'm going to see, I'm going to try this out, see how I feel. Um, I also need to stop making promises, but you know, y'all know my heart. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. I will be performing in New York City this week. If you check out the Comedy Cellar and then I will be heading upstate on February 7th and 8th. I will be, hold on, let me look. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. February 7th, I'll be in Pittsfield. I don't know if it's New York. I think it's New York. Pittsfield, New York and North Adams, Massachusetts, Saturday, the 8th, North Adams, Massachusetts. I'm doing um, one show a night up there. And then I will be in Las Vegas, February 10th through the 17th. Well, no, 16th, the 10th through the 17th. The 10th through the 16th, sorry, it's so early. The 10th through the 16th, I will be performing at the Las Vegas Comedy Cellar in the Rio Hotel. That's two shows a night, 7 and 9 p.m. Come and hang out with me. It's also Valentine's Day that week. So come and bring me some flowers and stuff. Yes, some chocolates. Yes. All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great week. Have a great week. Be a blessing. Don't be a burden. Mm, Sound like a word. Be a blessing. Don't be a burden. There you go. Walk with that.